you have your pens or pencil, you can write this title down because I'm going to tag this sermon, When Clichés Become More Than Just Clichés. Church in life and in ministry and on our Christian journeys, we learn so many clichés. Clichés can be mentioned so much in this Christian journey that they can become merely statements to us that have no impact. But I want you to know that when you experience a cliche that's backed up with the power and truth of God, that's when cliches become more than just cliches. And tonight I want to introduce a summary of my New Year's Eve, or better yet, my New Year's series at Hope Bible Church by sharing some powerful packed cliches that have helped me along the way in my life. Allow me to suggest to you tonight four powerful and truthful cliches backed up with the word of God and encourage you when you apply them to your life, you will be blessed to get ready for the new year. If you apply these cliches to your life, you will see that 2008 will be great. In Exodus chapter 14, verses 21 through 31, it says, Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. And all that night the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind and turned it into dry land. The waters were divided. And the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. The Egyptians pursued them, and all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and horsemen followed them into the sea. During the last watch of the night, the Lord looked down from the pillar of fire and cloud at the Egyptian army and threw it into confusion. He made the wheels of their chariots come off so that they had difficulty driving. And the Egyptians said, let's get away from the Israelites. The Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea so that the waters may flow back over the Egyptians in their chariots and horsemen. Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and at daybreak the sea went back to its place. The Egyptians were fleeing toward it, and the Lord swept them into the sea. The water flowed back and covered the chariots and, 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 and horsemen, the entire army of Pharaoh that had followed the Israelites into the sea. Not one of them survived. But the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. That day the Lord saved Israel from the hands of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians lying dead on the shore. And when the Israelites saw the great power the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and put their trust in him and in Moses, his servant. The first cliche that I get from this passage is, he'll make a way out of no way. Look at somebody and say, he'll make a way out of no way. Pharaoh and his army were chasing the Israelites who just got out of bondage from Egypt. The road was blocked off by the Red Sea. The Israelites began to complain to Moses because it looked like there was no way out. But in this passage, God made a way out of no way. 
My brothers and sisters, I want you to know that when the pharaohs of life try to trap you and keep you from succeeding, remember he'll make a way out of no way. When the roads in your life are blocked off and you can't seem to get to your destination, remember he'll make a way out of no way. Let's look at Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Chapter 3, verses 13 through 27. Furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king. And Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up? Now, when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipes, and all kinds of music, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue from my hand? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, furnace the God we serve is able to save us from it and he will rescue us from your hand O king but even if he does not we want you to know O king that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up then Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach Meshach and Abednego and his attitude toward them changed he ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual and commanded some of the strongest soldiers in, the, in his army Army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So these men wearing the robes, trousers, turbans, and other clothes were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. The king's command was so urgent and the furnace so hot that the flames of fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, Where uh, weren't these weren't there three men that were tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, certainly, O king. He said, look, I see four walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Nebuchadnezzar then, then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire, and the satraps, perfects, governors, and royal advisors crowded around them. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair of their head singed. Their robes were not scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them. Church, the second cliche that I get from this passage is this. He may not come when you want him, but he'll be there right on time. Help me preach this thing and look at somebody and say, no matter what you're going through, he may not come when you want him to, but he'll be there right on time. These fellas refused to bow down to Nebuchadnezzar's statue. As a consequence, they were thrown into the fiery furnace, but even though it looked like that it was over, it was not over. Why? Because God didn't come when they wanted to, but he was there right on 
your marriage is going to fail. He may not come when you want him to, but he'll be there right on time. When you can't pay your electric bill, he may not come when you want him to, but he'll be there right on time. If you can't find another job, if you don't think you can feed your family, he may not come when you want Oh, I wish oh, maybe I need to preach to the wall today because I wish I had some help in here. Anybody know he may not come when you want him to, but he'll be there right on time. Didn't he show up? Hmm. Check out John chapter 5, verses 1 through 15. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for a feast of the Jews. Now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. The day on which this took place was a Sabbath. So the Jews said to the man who had been healed, It is the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. But he replied, The man who made me well said to me, Pick up your mat and walk. So they asked him, who is this fellow who told you to pick up your mat, to pick it up and walk? The man who was healed had no idea who it was, for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. Later, Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, see, you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. The third cliche that I get from this passage, church, is that he'll show up and when he shows up he will show out this man was sick for 38 years imagine how his life was imagine how discouraged he was imagine how distraught he was imagine how down he was imagine how disturbed he was imagine how disabled he was but when Jesus showed up in his situation he showed out now don't get me wrong here God is everywhere so I'm not suggesting that he's going to show up as if he wasn't already there because he already knows what he what you're going through but what i'm saying is he'll show up with his power and when he shows up with his power in your problem he'll show out as a matter of fact you need to look at somebody and say he'll show enough show out my brothers and sisters whatever has you down whatever has you discouraged whatever has you distraught whatever has you dis uh, disabled remember that god will show up in your situation and he will show out anybody know what i'm talking about he showed up in your situation you thought things were over but he showed up he displayed his power and showed out grandmama i think i feel another cliche coming on he's a heart fixer he's He's a mind regulator. He's a burden bearer. He's a heavy load sharer. 
He'll show up. And when he shows up, he will show out. Look at John chapter 6, verses 1 through 13. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee. That is the Sea of Tiberias. And a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the miraculous signs he had performed on the sick. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover feast was near. When Jesus looked up, now watch this. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? Watch this. He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, eight months' wages would not buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here's a boy with five small bar barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place. And the men sat down, about 5,000 of them. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. Church, the fourth cliche that I get from this passage is this. While you're trying to figure it out, God has already worked it out. Jesus wanted to see what they were going to do about this problem to feed at least 5,000 people. But he already knew what he was going to do. They should have just said, well, we'll do what you want us to do, Jesus. But they were trying to figure it out. But while they were trying to figure out what to do, God already knew what he was going to do. While you're trying to figure out how to get over some obstacles in your life, God has already worked it out. After you've talked to mama, after you talk to daddy, after you talk to your friends, after you talk to your family, and you still keep coming short on your, on your problems, not getting the answers, understand that God already has the answers for your problems. Remember this. He already knows what he's going to do, so you may as well just trust him. Some years ago, I went up to Wisconsin for a wedding. And it was an African-style wedding. Uh, the bride was African, and so she had an African wedding. And the wedding was outside, and it was in the summertime. So it was not only hot, but we had to battle a lot of bees. So we battled the heat. And we battled the bees. So by the time we got to the reception, 
uh, when we got to the reception, I got out of the car and my family got out of the car. Lauren was very little at that time. And when Lauren got out of the car, all she did was just lift up her hands. Now, when she did that, because I'm her father, I knew what she wanted. You see, I knew that we just got done battling some heat at this wedding. We just got done battling some bees at this wedding. So by the time she got out to walk to the reception, she lifted up her hands, and I already knew what she wanted. She wanted her daddy to pick her up and carry her to her destination. I know that life can be hard sometimes. I know that life can be tiring sometimes. But no matter what you're going through in your life, all you need to do is trust God. Lift up your hands in praise and watch him carry you. Lift up your hands when you're ready to throw in the towel. Lift up your hands when you can't take it anymore. Lift up your hands when it seems like things are falling apart. Is there anybody here that knows that he'll make a way out of no way? Is there anybody here that knows he may not come when you want him, but he'll be there right on time? Is there anybody here who knows he'll show up and when he shows up he'll show out is there anybody here who knows why you're trying to figure it out god has already worked it out well if you know that 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 you know let's get some practice right now and get up on your feet and lift your hands and praise them don't look at me but think about him yes you've been through some stuff this year yes you've been through some trials yes you've been through some tribulations but just lift up your hands because your father already knows what he's going to do yes you need to have a mindset in 2008 that it's going to be great because you serve a great god praise him come on let's praise him come on let's praise him oh that's good for barack obama that's good for george bush but barack didn't die for me bush didn't die for me matter of fact jesus died for me and he got up on the third day to save me and if you've been saved from some stuff if he saved you and gave you eternal life you ought to praise him for 2008 forget about 2007 and think about 2008 because it's gonna be great he will he will he 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 will Praise God for Pastor Whisker's message where cliches become more than just cliches. And part two is now with Pastor's Durham message, Get Rid and Begin New. If you have your Bible, 1 Peter, uh, 2nd chapter, uh, verses 1 to 3 in the New King James Version. It says, Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, as newborn babies desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. That's First uh, Peter, second chapter, verses one to three. I just want to tackle real quick that in this new year coming in 2008, I want you to replace, repent, and remember. There's some things you might have looked over the 2007 year and said, I want to do better come next year. Uh, 
Um, many a times come January, everybody makes those New Year resolutions. I, I'm going to work out more. I'm going to eat better. Uh, what is it that you plan on doing more of that you did less of in 2007? Or, or maybe there's some things you said I'm not going to do anymore come 2008 so I can say for the whole year I, I was good in doing what I wanted to do. Well, you see here in the text, uh, Peter's encouraged them, say, Christians, I, I believe you got a lot of saved and sanctified folks here this, this evening. And so if you are a Christian, it says that you need to remove some things out of your life. And I like how he describes them here. He doesn't just give it. He says all of it. <laughs> all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander of every kind. Remove these things. And when you look at these things that he's talking about, these are characteristics and attributes of a person that you definitely don't want on your side. Because if somebody is envious of you and slandering you and full of deceit and hypocrisy, obviously they're not for you. And then when you think about it, Jesus tells us that you should love one another. When you don't love one another, then you think how you can cut them down, how to knock them down, how to talk about them. And then you learn how to be a hypocrite, how to be two-faced, how to show your face and some people smile in their face and stab them in the back the same time you hug them. And some of us are wrestling with that right now. There's some things in our lives that we need to remove right now. And when you remove them, guess what? When you remove these things, you, you still want to feed that nature. Why? Because the flesh desires to do those kind of things. Jesus talks about out of the heart comes murderous and slander and all those evil things come out of the heart. So therefore, there has to be a way to remove these things. Well, he says that you should crave, you should desire the pure spiritual milk, which is the word of God. And by you feeding on the word of God, what will that do? That will make you grow up in your salvation. What does that mean? That means you're mature. See, you need to replace that stuff. Therefore, you need to repent. You need to change your mind. Repent is not a confession. It's not a statement. It's a change lifestyle. That means no longer will I desire to feed my flesh with lust, with slander, with deceit, any of those things that's not of God, but I will feed my spirit, hallelujah, with the word of God. Then you can quote some of those songs. Oh, the word is a lamp to my feet, a light unto my path. I will hide God's word in my heart so I might not sin against him. You see here, when you remove that slanders, you will move the word in, and then you won't speak evil and deceit, but you'll speak love. You have to remove you have to repent, then you have to remember. This is the good part here, the remember part here. He says, if <laughs> you taste that the Lord is good or that the Lord is gracious. I, I like how the song says that taste and see how good God is. Have you experienced God's grace? Have you experienced salvation? Have you experienced his mercy? Have you experienced how he is just? Think about it, how his mercy is shown this way. Judgment is that the wages of sin is death. You deserve to die. 
Now, I'm not talking about you be buried in a grave and rolled in front of the church and have Pastor Whisker preach your eulogy, that kind of a death. But when the Bible is talking about death, it's talking about how you should, because of sin, be separated from God for all of eternity. That is what hell is. Hell is where God is not. And so, therefore, you should rightfully be separated from God. But I'm glad that the Bible tells us how great our God is. That he loves us enough that he rather saw his mercy than his wrath. How do we know this? Well, I believe Jesus decided to say, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whomsoever believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And so if you confess Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, I want you to walk out of 2007 and walk into 2008 and daily feed yourself on the world. Remember where you came from. Remember how God has brought you from a mighty long way. Remember how you used to lie, how you used to be slandered. But now remember how I will desire the world of God and then you can sing that hymn and stand up and shout on Christ the solid rock I stand or other ground is sinking sand. You'll be able to say the precious found near the cross. You'll be able to sing amazing grace because you know it was not you, but it is the word of God. I just want to close with one more thing. I believe it says that in the beginning was the word and the word was God and the word was with God. And later on in that chapter said the word became flesh and that word that became flesh, somebody say Jesus, huh? Jesus, that same old Jesus, they whipped all night. They hit him in the head. They put a crown of thorns on his scalp. Uh, they lied about him and beat him up. But yet Jesus told him, I am he uh, who will come on the cloud. And yet they still did not believe in him. But yet, guess what? He still knew what his purpose was. He says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Uh, you see what Pastor Wisdom said, while you trying to figure it out, God has already worked it out. I'm glad that Jesus knew I didn't not know what I was doing in my life. Matter of fact, Sam had some problems in 2007. I, I'll be real. You're not going to be real. But I'm glad that God can work it out. Because while Jesus was on that cross, they stressed him high and went, stressed him wide. And guess what? He died for you. He, he died for me. But I'm glad that he did not stay in that grave all day. Because early, early, early Sunday morning, he got up with what? All power in his hands. And I want you to know the story does not end there because he's coming back. <laughs> How do I know he's going to come back? Well, the Bible tells me I can look up in the sky and I hear a trumpet sound. I'll see a cloud and someone's going to be on that cloud. It's going to be Jesus. And it says that the corruption will become incorruptible. The mortality become immortal. We'll be chains in the twinkling of an eye. And I'm glad that Jesus says you believe in the Father. Guess what? Believe in me because in my Father's house I know that I don't know what's going to happen in 2008 but if Jesus shows up I'm I'm going to be in my father's house. You need to replace that evilness with the word of God. Repent and remember that God
is good. Do I have a witness here? Can anybody tell somebody else that God is good? Can somebody else tell that he has delivered me? Can you tell somebody he brought me from 2007 to 2008? Tell somebody happy new year. Because <laughs> it is a happy new year. You brought it right on in. <laughs> because God has brought you through it. It wasn't you, but it was God. It was God. He'll make a way. I don't know He may not come when you want him to, but he'll come right on time. And he will show up and shown up will show out. And while you're trying to figure it out, guess what? God has already worked it out. And as you are walking through by faith, just remember to change your life and and fully, fully rely on the word of God. And you'll see how your life will change in the direction that how you can just sit back on the God who's already figured it out and who's going to work it out in your life. Let's have a word of prayer, closing word of prayer by Pastor Wilson. Father God, in the mighty name of Jesus, everybody stand, everybody stand. In the mighty name of Jesus, Lord, we just thank you. We thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord, for 2008. Father God, we thank you that we made it to see another year. Oh, we ought to be praising you right now, Father God. Some of us should have been dead and gone, but Lord, you allowed us to live on. We just come to say thank you. Thank you for being so good to us. Thank you for making a way out of no way. Thank you for showing up and showing out. But Father God, we know we got many trials and tribulations to face, but while we go through the valleys of 2008, let us have a mountaintop mindset. In the mighty name of of Jesus, we pray and we will praise you. We will live better for you. We will live like you want us to live. Because 2008 is going to be great. Because we serve an awesome and great God. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Now give God some praise like it's your last day on earth. Hug somebody before you leave. Happy New Year.